Welcome to Directions in Rashi, a podcast that will help you understand individual comments from Rashi throughout the Chumash, and that will also introduce you to some of the general principles which I feel uh, directed Rashi in his creation of his commentary, and that will help us to understand his commentary better all around. Welcome. In Parshas Vayelech, we continue to move towards the end of the, of the Torah. And as we will soon see, we have a Pasuk and a Rashi. We have information in this Parsha about the process of completing the Sefer Torah, of arriving at the Sefer Torah as one unified whole as we know it today. Let's take a look at just one Pasuk here. This is in Perik Lamed Aleph, Pasuk Tes. Vayichtoiv Moshe esatorah hazais. And Moshe wrote this Torah. Vayitanoah, and he gave it, el hakohanim b'nei Levi, to the Kohanim, the children of Levi, hanosin esaroin bris Hashem, who carry the oroin, the container, of the Bris Hashem, that it has the covenant of Hashem in it. It has, uh, presumably, the specific reference here is to the Luchais. They represent the Bris between HaKadosh Baruch Hu and Klai Yisrael. And it is the Kohanim B'nai Levi who carry it. That's of somewhat of a question, uh, exactly who carries it. But let's, for now, say it's the Kohanim and the Levium, or some combination thereof. The El Kolzikne Yisrael, and he also gave the, this Torah to the Kolzikne Yisrael, to all the elders of Klai Yisrael, to the representatives of the entire nation. Let's see Rashi. Vayechtoiv Moshe, v'goymer, etc. Vayitznoa, and he gave it. Rashi says, Kishinigmara Kula, when it was entirely finished, when the whole Sefer Torah was finished, Nisanoa. He gave it to the members of his tribe. Now, there are two main questions about this Rashi that I would like to address. First of all, the Pasuk says, and Rashi paraphrases, when it was entirely finished. Why does Rashi have to paraphrase it at all? And what exactly is his point by saying that means when he finished it? Presumably, he wouldn't, uh, you know, give it to somebody in the middle of writing it. If I'm, if I'm giving you some sort of a message or some sort of a very important book that I want you to have, I would write everything that I want to write. So it would seem pretty obvious that by Yichtoiv Moshe would mean when he wrote the whole thing. But Rashi makes a point. When when the Sefer Torah was completely written, then he gave it to the Kohanim. That's one question. And a second question, Rashi says, He then gave it to the members of his tribe, to Shevet Levi. Now, on the one hand, that seems obvious. That's exactly what the Pasuk says. On the other hand, just the opposite. It's not obvious, because the Pasuk says that he gave it to the Bnei Levi, but it also says that he gave the Torah to Kol Zikne Yisrael. So what's going on here? Did he give it to the 
B'nai Levi, as Rashi seems to emphasize, did he give it to Kol Ziknei Yisrael? What happened to them? Why doesn't Rashi mention all of the elders of Klai Yisrael? In answer to those to these two questions, we find two different approaches, which both end up in the same place. The first approach, I would I would call it contextual analysis. I mean classic uh, parshanut, uh, classic examination of the of the words in the pasuk and the words of Rashi, and comparing it and adding in information from certain other psukim and other places in Rashi, and by looking at everything in context and understanding everything in a precise and profound way, uh, we'll see the, the Sefer Maskeba David comes to a certain conclusion about what Rashi means here. On the other hand, there is a very different uh, method of, of working on a Rashi, and I'll call that textual criticism, when I say criticism, I don't mean that we're being critical of Rashi. It means that textual criticism means to examine the manuscripts and to, to examine a certain early prints of Rashi and to try to determine the proper text. Maybe the text that we have has a mistake. Maybe the text that we have shouldn't be there at all. Maybe the text that we have is missing a sentence or a word. And that can make all the difference. Interestingly enough, as we'll see soon, uh, in the Sefer Yosef Hallel, a con relatively uh, a contemporary Sefer, I think it was published in the 1980s, the Sefer Yosef Hallel, uh, using the method of textual criticism, comes to the same exact conclusion as the Maskell de David. Let's begin with the Maskell de David's contextual analysis. First of all, he explains. Why does the Pasuk says Moshe, that Moshe wrote the Torah? Rashi paraphrases that as Kishinigmurakula. Why does Rashi do that and what does Rashi mean? So the Maskal David says, and many other Mephoshim say, that Rashi wanted you to understand that Moshe Rabbeinu didn't write the entire Torah just now. We're talking here in Parshas Vayelech, we're talking almost at the end of the Torah, we're talking almost at the end of the narrative of the whole Torah. We're talking just before Moshe Rabbeinu uh, was Nifter. Rashi does not want you to think that Moshe Rabbeinu sat down now and wrote the entire Sefer Torah. Says the Maskele David, there's a, there's a Gemara in Gitin, Dav Samech, and there's a Machlekes there between Rish Lakish and Rabbi Yechelen. Rish Lakish says, the Torah was given uh, sealed. In other words, as Rashi explains there, during the years in the Midbar, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, uh, would teach certain sections of the Torah to Moshe Rabbeinu, and Moshe Rabbeinu, uh, both the Torah Shebiksav and the Torah Shebaopeh, and HaKadosh Baruch Hu would dictate to Moshe Rabbeinu exactly what needed to be written as Torah Shebiksav, as written Torah, but according to Rish Lakish, Moshe Rabbeinu did not write it immediately. He would keep it in memory. At the end of the 40 years, he took all of his memories of all of the, the entire Torah, and he wrote it all down. 
I don't think we have to worry that he forgot anything along the way. Moshe Rabbeinu had a very good memory. He also had a Kodesh Baruch who presumably could remind him of what to write. But the process was that a Kodesh Baruch Hu told to Moshe Rabbeinu, Parsha by Parsha, as the years went along, as it became necessary or advisable to reveal to Moshe Rabbeinu different parts of the Torah. And Moshe Rabbeinu kept it all in his memory. And at the end of 40 years, he wrote it all down. However, Rashi here is seems to be the saying like the other opinion. The other opinion is Rabbi Yechanan. Rabbi Yechanan says in the Gemara in Masech the Gittin, Torah Megillah Megillah Nidna. The Torah was given Megillah by Megillah, scroll by scroll. In other words, from time to time, from day to day, from week to week, whatever it was, HaKadosh Baruch Hu would teach Moshe Rabbeinu different parshias, different sections of the Torah, both the Torah Shabbat, the Torah Shabbat Peh, and HaKadosh Baruch Hu would dictate to Moshe exactly what to write in the Torah Shabbat, and Moshe Rabbeinu would write it. So let's say, for example, um, it says in the Chumash that, uh, that HaKadosh Baruch Hu came to Moshe Rabbeinu in the Oyal Amoyed. He revealed himself to Moshe Rabbeinu in the Mishkan, and he told him the laws that we have in Parshas Vayikra, and Parshas Sav, etc., really the whole Sefer Vayikra. So HaKadosh Baruch Hu came to Moshe Rabbeinu in the, in the Mishkan, and let's say he taught him the, the first few sections of uh, Parshas Vayikra the basic laws of Korbanis. And he dictated to Moshe Rabbeinu exactly what needs to be written in the Sefer Torah. And according to Rabbi Yechanan, Moshe Rabbeinu wrote it down. He wrote it down in the Megillah. Not the Megillah Sester, the Megillah Svayikra. He wrote down exactly the text of the Torah, of that section of the Torah. And then Kodesh Baruch Hu came from the next day and maybe he taught him all the halachas that we have in Parshish Sav. And then Moshe HaKadosh Baruch Hu came to him on a different day and he taught him different halachas. He taught him the halachas of Paradoma or whatever it may have been. As each Parsha was dictated to Moshe Rabbeinu, he wrote it down in a separate Megillah. At the end of the 40 years, he put it all together. That's the opinion of Torah Megillah Megillah Nitna. The Torah was given scroll by scroll. At the end of the 40 years, Moshe Rabbeinu stuck it all together. By the way, we see here that it is not so. Uh, we, we sometimes see pictures of, uh, you see Har Sinai, and you see the fire on top of the mountain, and you see descending from the heavens, a Sefer Torah. Two nice Atzei Chaim, the two wooden sticks, holding it together, nice felt cover. Torah Tzivalon Moshe, maybe, or some other nice written on the on the mantle of the Sefer Torah, that is not does not seem to be any anyone's opinion really. According to Reish Lakish, the Sefer Torah, as we know it, was not at all given on Har Sinai, and according to Rabbi Yechonin, also not. It could be that Hakadosh Baruch Hu taught the whole Torah to Moshe Rabbeinu on Har Sinai, but the writing of the Sefer Torah either took place, according to Reish Lakish, entirely in the fortieth year, all at once. Or according to Rabbi Yechanan, the writing of the Sefer Torah, as we know, it took place piecemeal over the 40 years and eventually was all put together in this Pasuk that we're learning here. Now, the Masculine David says that you see from this Rashi that, that he holds like Rabbi Yechanan. 
that uh, Torah Megillah Megillah Nikras. So when it says here, Vayichtov Moshe Esa Torah, it doesn't mean he sat down right now and wrote the whole thing. It means Kishinigmar Akula, when the whole thing was completed. Now, why is Rashi getting involved in this Machlekas? As I've said many times, um, Rashi worries about the Pshutesh Mikra. He worries about what the Pasuk says. What the Gemara might say, Rashi certainly knew, but just to navigate around a statement in the Gemara, Rashi may not have bothered if it's not something that's implicit in the Pasuk itself. But the reason that Rashi gets involved in this is because he already got involved in it in a different place. If we go back, um, if we go back to uh, Parshas uh, Mishpatim, I'm sorry I didn't put bring it up on the screen. If we go back to Parshas Mishpatim, near the end of the Parsha, so it says there, Vayichtev Moshe is called Divrei Hashem. Moshe Rabbeinu wrote down all the words of Hashem. We'll see in a moment which words we're talking about. Vayashkin Baboiker, he got up early in the morning. Vayivin Mizbeach Tachas Bahar, and he built a, an altar. He built a Mizbeach uh, near the bottom of Har Sinai. And he presented this, this, um, this, a written record of Kol Divri Hashem to Kla Yisrael, and they said the famous words, Nasevenishma, we will listen and we will do it. Rashi explains, what, what is this writing of Kol Divri Hashem? Um, according to Rashi there, it's talking actually before Matan Torah, it's talking before the sixth of Sivan. Even if it's talking immediately afterwards, as we said before, uh, the, the, the Sefer Torah, written as we know it, didn't exist yet. So what is this Vayichtev Moshe, as called Divrei Hashem, that it says in Parshas Mishpatim? I'm quoting here from Rashi. It says, Mi Breshis Admatan Torah. Moshe Rabbeinu wrote down the Torah as we know it, from Breshis, from the first Pasuk, up until the events of Matan Torah that were just about to happen, according to Rashi. And he also wrote the mitzvahs that had been commanded to the Klai Yisrael in Mora, which is a place in the Midbar where they had stopped off uh, shortly before coming to Har Sinai. So we see there, according to Rashi, that parts of the Torah were written even before the 40th year. We see like the whole first section from Bracious until, until Matan Torah was already written before Matan Torah, before, and certainly before this 40th year. And so therefore, the Masculine David explains, when the Pasuk here said, Vayichtev Moshe Satorah Azais, Masculine David doesn't say this uh, explicitly, but I think it's understood from what he's saying, that here when it says that Moshe Rabbeinu wrote down the Torah, we're here talking in the 40th year, it doesn't mean he wrote the whole thing. Didn't have to write the whole thing now. Some parts were already written. Many parts were already written. What does it mean? When it was completed, he put the finishing touches on the Sefer Torah, and then he gave it for safekeeping. Now, who did he give it to? Rashi says, He gave it to the members of his Shevet. Okay, very nice. It says that in the Pasuk. But what happened to 
That was our second question. What about them? So the Maskil the David, using Svara, using, uh, using contextual uh, analysis, says that it must be that Moshe Rabbeinu first gave it to the B'nai Levi because he says because they were B'nai Shifto. Um, that that doesn't to, to my to my taste that doesn't explain it fully. I mean, it's not simply a matter of nepotism. But what I think he means is that the the Shevet Levi, as we see in many places, was assigned to be the the Shevet which would be most involved in in Limud Hatorah and which would be best suited for holding on to this master copy of the Sefer Torah. If we look at the Pasuk itself, the Pasuk itself seems to give a different reason as for why he gave it to B'nai Levi. Maskele David doesn't mention this, but the other Bifoshim mentioned. It says the B'nai Levi, Hanosim Esorein Bris Hashem. These are the people who are carrying the Oran HaKodesh, in which the Torah will be placed. So they are the appropriate people to give it to. But either way, Moshe Rabbeinu gave it to the B'nai Levi. That's what he did first. But then something happened. And what happened is something that Rashi already spoke about in Parshas Kisavoi. In Parshas Kisavo, Moshe Rabbeinu said to the people as follows, God has not given to you a mind in order to know, and eyes to see, and ears to hear, Ad a very strange passage. What does that mean? You didn't have a mind, you didn't have eyes, you didn't have ears. Ad until this day. And what happened this day and which day are we talking about? So Rashi says, first of all, what, what knowledge and what sight and, and hearing was missing? The, the knowledge and the sight and the power of hearing to recognize the kindness of a Kodesh Borachu and to cling to him. That was missing until this, quote unquote, today. And what's the today? So Rashi says, Shamati, I heard. I heard that this is referring to the day that Moshe Rabbeinu gave the Sefer Torah to the B'nai Levi. Kamosh Kosov, as is written in our Pasuk and Parshas Vayelech, gave the Torah to the Kahanim, the children of Levi. And what happened when he did that? All of the Jews came in front of Moshe, and they said to him, Moshe Rabbeinu, Moshe, our teacher, we also stood in our Sinai, and the Torah was given to us. Now, you have to say, it doesn't mean literally the Sefer Torah as we have it, in our hands today, that means the Torah, the Aseris Adibris, which includes all of the mitzvahs. So, why are you putting in control? Why are you putting your shevet in control of it? Why are you giving it only to them? And they will say to us tomorrow, they'll come to us someday, and they'll say to us, it wasn't given to you. Only the Leviim have the Torah. We are the the priestly 
cast. Only, only Lima Natayru is really only for us. So they came to Moshe Rabbeinu with this complaint. And Moshe Rabbeinu rejoiced over this matter. He was very happy that the people wanted the Torah. And about this, he said to them, a different Pasuk, On this day, you have become a nation. On this day, I understood about you that you cling and you desire HaKadosh Baruch So the Mask of the David says that that's what's going on, that's the dynamic here in this Pasuk. Moshe Rabbeinu gave the Torah to the Kahanim and Elevi, but then he had to also give it to Kol Zikne Yisrael because they came with a complaint. They said, we want the Torah. And therefore the Pasuk ends off that he gave it, El Kol Zikne Yisrael. That's a contextual analysis. That's looking at the Pasuk carefully, raising a question, using another Pasuk and another Rashi to answer the question. That's the way of the Maskele David. The Sefer Yosef Hallel is based primarily on what's called the Tfus Rishon, the first print of Rashi. Rashi's commentary on Chumash is the first, first known um, printed Hebrew book that has a date on it. There may be some other books that were printed even before it. But they're not dated, but we have uh, a printed edition of Rashi from the year 1474. It was first printed in Italy. And although no one claims that that first print is perfect, it may also have certain, uh, certain inconsistencies, certain mistakes, but it is generally considered to be a very good, uh, more than just very good, but an excellent edition of Rashi. And that when there are certain problems in, in Rashi, we can often solve them by looking at that first print. And the same for Yosef Hado, use that as his primary source to answer various questions about different Rashi comments. And here he quotes the Rashi from the Tfus Rishon. I will read. So the, the heading is that Moshe wrote the, wrote the Torah and he gave it. Kisha Gomar, when, when it was finished, when he finished, the Chasaves Kula, and when he gave all of it, he gave it to the members of Hesheva. Now, here come a few words which I don't know how to interpret. I can read them, I can translate them, I'm not sure what's, what the point is. But Omar, and he said, the Chol Ha'eda, and then he said to the entire congregation, as it says above, I'm not sure what he's referring to. Let's put a parenthesis around that, that, those words. But now, in this printed first printed edition of Rashi, we have a whole addition, which we don't find in the standard prints today. Listen to this addition. The Jews demanded from Moshe Rabbeinu that he give them the Torah also. He gave it to the Levium. He gave the Sefer Torah to the Levium. But the Jews came and demanded that it be given to them also. In order that Shevet Levi should not say to them, it was not given to you. And therefore, it says in the end of the Pesach, exactly the point that the Maskele David makes. The Maskele David makes it by 
going from one Pasuk to another and one Rashi, another, asking a question, thinking of a good answer. The Sefer Yosef Hallel found, found it exactly the same point by examining this alternate text, this perhaps more correct text of the Rashi comment. Interesting confluence of uh, two, two very different ways of looking for the, for the truth. And in this case, they both came to the same conclusion. What do we see from all this? I remember once uh, teaching in a, a Jewish day school, a Jewish high school, um, to students who were uh, not, shall we say, not yet uh, very dedicated B'nai Torah. And I, one of my classes was Gemara. And Gemara was always particularly hard to teach to them. Gemara is not easy to teach in general, but Gemara seemed very foreign to them. And I remember one of the, the kids saying to me, you know, I, I don't like Gemara. I said, well, you know, if you, if you keep, if you stick with it, you'll start to like it. You'll see what the point is. He said, oh, so is, is Gemara or is Torah an acquired taste? Is it like some people when they first taste a, a dry French wine, they, ugh, but then they learn how to appreciate it? Is it something you have to train yourself to appreciate? So I said, no. And I think we see this from this, this Rashi or from this Maskele David explaining the Rashi. Klal Yisrael, by nature, wants the Torah. Klal Yisrael, by nature, has an affinity for Torah. They wanted it. When Moshe Rabbeinu gave the Torah to the Bnei Levi, the Klai Yisrael complained. We want the Torah. We want it for ourselves. It is true that sometimes people, ourselves, that we, sometimes lack a certain appetite for Torah. Sometimes we don't have the proper desire to, to learn Torah. Sometimes we're lazy and this and that, doesn't it doesn't it doesn't click it doesn't doesn't go in it doesn't we don't understand the point we don't we don't we don't quote unquote like it that's an aberration that's because your head is mixed up with all different kinds of ideas and all kinds of uh, false information and just nonsense information that's an aberration by nature a Jew loves the Torah and we know Yisrael the Kuchibrichu Yeraisa Chadhu the Klal Yisrael and HaKadosh Baruch Hu and the Torah are inextricably united. I'll say it like that. Really, that statement, which is quoted in the name of the Zohar, goes even farther. I don't know how far it goes. I, I, I can't grasp how far it goes. But certainly it means that Yisrael and HaKadosh Baruch Hu and the Torah are, are tightly wound up one around the other to the point that they are like one unit. And therefore, that means that if we see in this Pasuk, that, 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 uh, in this Rashi, that Kalal Yisrael has a natural affinity for Torah, it means we have a natural affinity for HaKadosh Baruch Hu also. Really, we want to be close to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. As I've quoted before from the, the sixth Lubavitcher Rebbe, Sechrein of the Vrocha, a Jew neither wants nor can be separated from a Kodesh world. Well, there's an inextricable bind and an inextricable and inexplicable affinity that Klai Yisrael has for a Kodesh world. 
yes, we can be, we can be contaminated. We can be, uh, uh, you know, we, we, we the, the the fire can be slightly, somewhat extinguished by various uh, foreign waters. But really, we have an affinity for Hakadosh Baruch Hu, and we have affinity for Hashem. And as we prepare for Yom Kippur, we should keep this in mind. Hakadosh Baruch Hu commands us that on Yom Kippur we should do tshuva. Really, there's a mitzvah all the time to do tshuva. On Yom Kippur, especially, there's a mitzvah to do tshuva. And sometimes a person might say, <laughs> I'm enjoying what I'm doing, and it's very hard to change what I'm doing. But how could a Kodesh Baruch Hu command that to me? I mean, it's good. It's obviously a good thing to, to turn away from one's shortcomings. But, but how can a Kodesh Baruch Hu demand it of me? But the answer is because you naturally gravitate to a Kaddish Baruch Hu. That is your natural affinity to be in tight with a Kaddish Baruch Hu and with, with the Torah. And therefore a Kaddish Baruch Hu can command you. He can command you to do something that, that is natural to you. He could command you to eat apples. That's a natural thing that a human being enjoys eating apples. And therefore, it is a natural thing. Similarly, it is a natural thing that a Jew should do tshuva, meaning that he should bring himself closer, bring himself or herself closer to HaKadosh Baruch Hu and closer to the Torah on Yom Kippur and all the time. And uh, we should all be zeicha to a gemar chasim v'tayla.